This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Stephen, Tim, Amelia, Levi, and Sam VR. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. We've got two questions, and they're kind of related, so I'm going to give them both to you up front. First, Stephen asks, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? And then Tim wants to know, why didn't Adam and Eve come as babies like we do? Well, these are both fascinating questions, and neither one of them is directly addressed in the Bible. There's no verse that tells us one way or the other whether Adam and Eve had belly buttons, and we can only speculate about what they looked like. We assume they were created as adults, but we don't know how old they would have appeared. 18, 21, 30? We just don't know. But probably not babies, anyway. They're described in the Bible as a man and a woman, so we can be pretty assured that they were adults. Here's what I think. Because God made them to be our first parents, representatives of the human race, I think we can assume that these representatives were representative. In other words, they were made as ideal embodiments of the human form, male and female. That leads me to say that while I have no idea whether they would have had belly buttons, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. In the same way that, for example, a tree created by God in one breath would have looked like a tree that had grown from the seed, my guess is that Adam and Eve resembled adult humans who had grown from the womb, even though they had been specially created by other means. If you think about it, we could say the same thing about Jesus. He was fully human, but his conception was different. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a woman, Mary. Yet despite this difference, he was a representative man. To the eye, he looked like everyone else. I suspect the same was true of Adam and Eve. But like I said, that's only speculation. If you want a definite answer, you'll need to ask Adam and Eve when you meet them one day. Or ask Jesus when you see him face to face. All those whose faith is in Jesus will do that one day. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Amelia. Let's give her a round of applause. Here's Amelia's question, and it's a special one. When does my dad become a pastor? Amelia, I am so excited to be able to answer this question, and I'm going to do that in great detail. I'm going to tell you not only what day your dad will become a pastor, but also the exact moment and what it will look like so that when you see it happen, you will know immediately what's taking place. We mentioned this before in the big question, but Grace is about to welcome a new pastor, Dan Reed. On Palm Sunday, the congregation voted unanimously to issue a call to Dan to become our associate pastor. 
At the end of the month, Dan traveled to Presbytery, where all the elders of the churches in our region examined him for ordination. They asked all kinds of questions to make sure that he was ready, and then they approved him to be ordained and installed. And now that is finally about to happen. This episode is being released on Sunday, May the 14th, and Dan will officially become Pastor Dan on Sunday, May the 21st. That's just one week from today. Here's what to expect. First, on Saturday, May 20th, Dan will graduate with a Master's of Divinity degree from Heidelberg Theological Seminary. I will actually be speaking at his graduation. Now, one of the requirements for a teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church in America, that's our denomination, is to have a Master's of Divinity degree, which we call an MDiv. And so, after graduation, Dan will be ready to become a pastor officially. And we won't be waiting long. The very next day, we will hold the ordination and installation service. Now, that will happen in the sanctuary at Grace on the afternoon of Sunday, May the 22nd at 3 o'clock. It's going to be similar to a regular worship service, but during this one, we will have a commission of elders from the presbytery to ordain Dan. Now, there is a particular moment during this service that I want you to pay close attention to, and this is the moment where Dan will officially become a pastor. We call it the laying on of hands. It will look like this. Dan will kneel. And the ordained men of the commission and any others who are present will gather around him and lay their hands on him. Then we'll pray that God will set Dan apart for gospel ministry, that he will work in Dan to minister to the flock and guide him in his service as a pastor. When the prayer is over and Dan stands up, he will be declared an ordained minister of word and sacrament. The call that our church has given him will be placed in his hands, and at that moment he will officially become our associate pastor. And then you can call him Pastor Dan, or Amelia, in your case, Pastor Dad. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first question comes from Levi, who wants to know, what is the biggest problem you've had? Wow, Levi, we don't have nearly enough time on the big question to talk about my smaller problems, let alone the bigger ones. Maybe I should start a new podcast and call it The Big Problem. You could send me all your problems, and instead of solving them, I would say, if you think that's bad, let me tell you about my problems because that's usually how it goes. You share your problems with people, and then they tell you they've got even bigger problems. As you can tell from the fact that I don't worry too much about swarms of tarantulas or packs of dinosaurs roaming my house, I'm not too worried about my problems. Or maybe it's just that I have such big problems that those hardly compare. But seriously, the important thing to remember is that whatever your problems are, they can be traced to sin. I don't mean that you're to blame for your problems, just that we struggle the way we do because of the effects of sin in the world. Now, some problems can be addressed in this life, and others we have to endure in hope of the life to come. 
But if you think about your problems as tests in this way, it can be helpful. It reminds you to focus on faithfulness even when the circumstances are hard. And now Sam VR wants to know, is there a person nicknamed the Westminster, or is that for pastors in the West? Man, Sam, I wish my nickname was the Westminster. That would mean I so perfectly embodied the Westminster Confession that people always thought of it when I came around. But the Westminster Confession didn't get its name from a man, pastor or otherwise. The Westminster Confession is called Westminster because it was produced by a body of scholars called the Westminster Assembly. And they were called the Westminster Assembly because they assembled at, you guessed it, Westminster. Westminster is a borough in the city of London. The seat of government in England is there at Westminster Palace, which is why even today when people refer to the British government, they sometimes call it Westminster, the way we might refer to our government as Washington. The Westminster Assembly didn't meet in that palace, though. They met at Westminster Abbey, first in the chapel of Henry VII and later in a room called the Jerusalem Chamber. Now, as far as I know, none of the men who participated ever had the nickname the Westminster. But the prolocutor of the assembly was a man named William Twiss, who was described by one of the other members as highly esteemed but merrily bookish. Or maybe he meant merely bookish. But I like the idea that he was merrily bookish. And if I had a nickname, merrily bookish would be a good one. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking The Big Questions.